Greetings to each one this morning, and it's been a long time since I've been here. Not sure how many years, probably 20 some odd years since I've, since I've been with you all on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> and as I was sitting here and heard the brother announce about the, the birthdays, I thought, yep, I remember that. I always remember that. <laughs> This morning, I'd, I'm planning to share a little bit, and then, um, then afterwards, I will open up the time for questions, uh, if you all want to know a little bit more of what I've been through. You can ask. I'm not sure you know, what you know, what you don't know, but I guess if you ask the questions, then, then, then we'll be on the same page. This morning I'd like to share a little bit on the topic of when a pin won't wake him. <clears throat> and years ago, when I was still young, I was at a youth Bible uh, fellowship meeting in Arkansas. And you know how it is when, you're, when you are in, or you have a weekend of meetings and you know, one service, and then the next, and then the next. And after a while, you sort of start getting tired. Well, this was Sunday afternoon. Nice, warm summer afternoon. We'd had the morning service, and then we ate. And now we're sitting there just <laughs> listening. And the bees are droning, and the fans are going, and I'm falling asleep. Well, I did what I, what I used, used to do. I don't much have problems with that anymore. Because that's one blessing of, of uh, being a preacher. You don't usually fall asleep during the message. <clears throat> so that's one benefit. <clears throat> it's not always easy. But so I did, I used to always, and I think I might still have one, always kept the pin in the, in the top of my Bible there, stuck in the back. And I got the pin out, and I started poking myself on my leg. <clears throat> and that's how I stayed awake during that time. <clears throat> After the service, the young fellow that was beside me, he says, uh, he says wow, you kept me awake too. I said, how's that? Well, he said, if, if you were going to act like that to yourself, I wondered if I fall asleep, I wonder what you're going to do to me. <clears throat> anyway, I'd like for us to turn to Romans chapter 6. And I want to read this chapter, then I also want to read a little bit in, uh, in chapter 8. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. And I want us to be thinking about this pin. <clears throat> what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection." Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead from Christ, 
dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died into sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin, because we have not, are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the, servant, ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. For what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now turning over to Romans uh, chapter 8. <clears throat> Starting to read there in verse 1. <clears throat> there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace." Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness." But the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit to mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joined heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. 
For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I don't know what crosses through your mind when you read these verses. But to me, it's just like, wow, amen. Praise the Lord. You know, what he has done. But he contrasts living in the flesh and living in the spirit. Those two things don't agree with each other. Those things, like we say, they butt heads. <laughs> Always one against the other. <clears throat> and if we'd be having a funeral this morning, instead of a regular church service, if I'd be out here in front in the casket, I'd be laying there. If you'd have a question as to if I am dead or if I'm alive, what would be one easy way to find out if I'm dead or alive? What's that? A pin. You're right. It wouldn't take long to figure out if I'm dead or alive. You could do the pin test. You definitely could. As we, as we look over these verses, it actually gives us a fairly decent overview of what the pin test looks like. And I don't know if you all struggle with anything. But if you do, there is an easy way to figure out if you've laid this thing down or if you're still living in the flesh. Do the pin test. Because if it's alive, that body will squirm. That flesh will squirm. It'll hurt. But if it's dead, it won't move. You can take a big pin. If, I, if I'd be dead in the casket there, you'd take as big a pin as you want to. And you could poke me as hard as you want to. I'm not going to move. I'm just glad you're not trying it right now. Because there's a difference when it's dead or it's alive. And here it has, it contrasts the different things. And uh, first of all, I want to see, just pick out a few things. It says, what happens when the flesh is alive but the spirit is dead? And going back to chapter 6 in verse 12. <clears throat> it says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. When the flesh is alive and the spirit is dead, we obey the lusts of the flesh. Just part of what happens. In verse 13, it says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. It's another thing that's, that's very evident. We will, our lives, we will yield it as instruments of unrighteousness if the flesh is alive. Verse 16. <clears throat> it says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. And it's just interesting how it says it here. Sin unto death. That's, that's what we'll, we will be doing if the flesh is alive. Verse 20. It says, For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. 
free from righteousness, no righteousness, when the flesh is alive and the spirit is dead. Then verse 21, What fruit had ye then in these things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Whenever we yield ourselves to sin, we have sin. <clears throat> and we have the, the fruit of our sin is shame. It's death. But, said, if we are in the Spirit, it's totally opposite. <clears throat> and we will have, if we, if we sin, we will be subject to death. Like it says in verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. It's exactly what is the result of living in the flesh. And in chapter 8, verse 8, it tells us, So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. There is no way. If you are, if you are living in the flesh, you cannot please God. There is no way for you to please God. It can't be done. Because you are living in the flesh. Galatians 6. Verse 7 and 8 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth of the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. If we sow to the flesh, we will receive death. We will receive the sentence of that. But if we... So to the Spirit, we will have life everlasting. And going back to chapter 6, verse 16, I'd like to now uh, notice a few things of, when, of what happens when our flesh is dead, but the Spirit is alive. It says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey whether sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. See, when we have the Spirit of God in us, we don't have to be trying to produce good works. It's a natural result of the Spirit of God living in us. And... Now, there are some people who think that, well, you know, I, I'm, I've been saved and I'm okay, I can do whatever. No, that's not right either. Because the Spirit of God in us will produce that righteousness. The Spirit of Christ in us will produce a different life and a different lifestyle. <clears throat> Verse 17, But God be thanked, that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. When we serve God, and when God is in our hearts, we will serve God, and we will obey Him from the heart. It won't be something that we have to do. And I don't know how many people, and maybe some of you all here are like, I have to do this, and I have to do the other thing, and I have to do the other thing. Because, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but I've got to do this. That's one of the changes that happens when we really truly have the Spirit of God living in us. That have to goes away. Because instead of a have to, it's a want to. And I was recently at a big assembly, over 700 people. And after, 
and this is, a, this is the first time it ever happened to me, after the, after, uh, or after the service was over and uh, we were being dismissed, the pastor just said, um, you know, we're going to be dismissed, but we are expecting you all to, to behave and be good and, and do what you know you should be doing. It was a lot of young people. It's like, wow. To have to be told to be good, to listen, to do what you know you should be doing. And, and I wondered, are they serving God from the heart or how are they serving Him? Because I really don't think he would have had to do this. He would have had to say this. And I don't know what, what the difference would have been if he would have said it or he wouldn't have said it. But it just struck me sort of odd. You know, why would, why would you have to do that? Here are people who supposedly serve God. The obedience from the heart. That's what it's talking about. And when the Spirit of God lives in us, there is going to be obedience from the heart. I'm not going to have to be forced to follow God because I'm going to want to. Verse 20. But when you were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. But now, as we are, see, the opposite is true too. See, we are no longer the servants of sin. We are not free from righteousness. Now we have Christ's righteousness living in us and being a part of us. And in verse 22, it says, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. That's another result of having the Spirit living in us and the flesh being dead. Chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There is now no condemnation. And anyone who's here who has followed Christ knows what it used to feel like. But there is now no condemnation. When we allow the Spirit of God to live in us, There is now no condemnation. All of a sudden, we are free. We can be free. And we can feel open. And and there is no longer that cloud of guilt hanging over us. Because there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And notice the active part in this. It says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, this is not a once and done thing. It's a continual walking. It's a continual killing the old man. It's a continual getting, taking the axe to the old man, killing him. And like I said before, if we're not sure if he's dead or alive, you know, we can, always, we can always try it. We can always find out if he's dead or if he's alive. It's not hard to do the pin test. <clears throat> Those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. <clears throat> and I like a, a quote from Jim Elliott. I think it was original with him. But one of the things he said was, he said, uh, talking about Romans 12, 1, says, uh, 
the problem with living sacrifices is that they continue crawling off the altar. See, we're still in the flesh. Until this body gets redeemed, until we experience the resurrection, we will always continually have to crucify it. We're always going to have to put this thing on the altar. And that's the problem with living sacrifices. It hurts. It does. But we've got to continue to live there. And many times to be there, we've got to feel the pin. We've got to feel the fire burning. And yes, it hurts. But that also makes us look forward to something better. When we will not have to struggle with, with this thing anymore. Verse 2, for the law of the sin, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I mean, that, that just, it's powerful. It's powerful. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. The spirit was what resurrected Christ from the grave. When the spirit moved, that body resurrected. It was that simple. And he says, that same power is available to us to live in a resurrected lifestyle, to live differently, to be changed, to be transformed, to no longer be subject in the same way to what we used to be. Verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. It's another result of living in the Spirit. <clears throat> Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And we can feel that. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit within us confirms that in us. It confirms that we are the children of God. Verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We have been adopted. We were not, not a one of us were born into this new life in Christ. Not a one of us. We were adopted. We are all unworthy of the love that He bestowed upon us. And He adopted us. Why? Because He chose us. He chose us. And that's something that a lot of times... People who are adopted, they, they struggle with this thing. The, the, the thing of belonging or not belonging. But isn't it amazing that the majority of us were just born into a family and they had no choice as to who they get. And yet, some were adopted by choice. It was a choice. And, and that's, that's powerful. In Christ, God chose us to be a part of His body. It's amazing. Because He loved us. 
Verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. If we are children, then we heirs. We also can receive all that he has. All that he will give us. It's all for us as well. If so be that we suffer with him. Now that's one thing that a lot of times people who become Christians, they don't really think about it in this way. Think I'm going going to become a Christian because I want to go to heaven. Or I want... I want something out of it. And, and I see a lot of people shopping around for churches and stuff like that, sort of in this thing of, uh, I want this certain thing. And so I go to the place that has what I want. And that's totally the wrong concept. I mean, if you go to a church just because of what you will receive... Have you ever considered what is God asking you to contribute? What is God asking you to contribute to his kingdom? But as long as it's just for me, it won't won't work. And he says, he also says here, if so be that we suffer with him. See, suffering is a part of the Christian life. It's not, it's not something that we can divide from following Christ. We have to follow Christ. And if we follow Christ, then we will suffer. It's just part of it. Christ said, take up your cross. And yes, you know, there is going to be fire. And while we're on the altar there, that's where we're going to have to decide. I'm going to stay on here. Yes, it hurts, but I'm going to stay. Because we have our mind set on something out ahead that's better. And if you're here and you are not a Christian, if you're considering becoming a Christian, there's one thing I want you to remember. You will suffer. Christians, true Christians, will suffer. If we truly live in the Spirit, we will suffer in the flesh. It's part of what will happen. And then in verse 21... Well, verse 18, it says, I reckon the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Yes, we will suffer. But as we look ahead, as we look ahead of the time when we will no longer live in the flesh, and, I'm, and here I'm making a difference, you know, while we're still alive in this body, not living in the flesh as, as in, in, in sinful living. But we're always going to have these things. And he says, For I reckon the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us someday. And we don't know what that's going to be like. And that's where a lot of times we lose focus and we forget. And that's why we crawl off the altar. That's why we don't want to do the pin test. Just simply because, oh, I know it's, it's there, but I don't want to do it. Because I want to continue living there. I don't want this flesh to suffer. But this is nothing compared to what we will receive someday. <clears throat> Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. That's just, 
It's more than we will ever comprehend. It's more than we will ever understand. But God has something for us specifically. Even though we don't understand it, He does. Romans 13, verse 11 through 14 says, It is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is your salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. That's what I want to leave with you all today. And let's be sure that as we daily, as we come up with facing who we are, let's do the pin test. Let's figure out, am I alive? Am I dead? Because if we are truly dead to this thing, then it's going to be dead. (laughs) And we will know it. I'd like to pause for a word of prayer. Father, again, I just want to thank you and praise you for what you have done in us and through us. And Lord, we are not worthy of your love. We are not worthy of your adoption. Yet here we are, thanking you and praising you because of your great love and what you have done and what you are doing. And not only that, Lord, for what you will continue to do in our hearts as we walk each day with you and serve you and follow you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you have done. And we know we can't pay you back. Therefore, We just stand here, giving again ourselves to you so that you can receive all the honor and glory from our lives. And your will can be done here in us perfectly as is done in heaven. Thank you, Father. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now I'm going, going to open it up very briefly to, for your questions. Yes, sir. Well, I served my time, and then uh, beyond that, I'm still under one year of parole. And so my being here, I had to ask special permission to, to, to leave uh, Pennsylvania. That's where I, for one year, I'm supposed to stay in Pennsylvania. And every month, I have to fill out a detailed report of sort of what I've been doing, what, you know, where I've been. Um, obviously I can't be around guns or anything like that and they did they did wave a lot of different things uh, for me uh, just like drug testing and such they said well you've never used them and why, why, why should we go through that rigmarole to do it so yes Okay. No, that's fine. Basically, the story uh, started back in 2009 um, when, uh, when Lisa and Isabella Miller traveled down to Nicaragua. And at that point, <coughs> I did their travel arrangements and picked them up at the airport. 
Well, after the fact, later the courts took Isabella away from Lisa. And so anybody who would have in any way could have been said you know, that he helped, uh, they, they charged her with parental kidnapping. And so anybody who helped became an accessory in the kidnapping. Um, I mean, that's where it started. Beyond that, they, uh, I, was, I was up here in 2011. I was actually the first one who got arrested. And they charged me back then uh, with intent. But then later they dropped charges, and I went back to Nicaragua. Uh, later they needed me again to continue their, their, their fight for what they consider justice. And so they recharged me with, um, with um, conspiracy and, ah, I'm blank right now, what, 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 uh, what else it was. And uh, so then I had told them back in February of 2016, I told, I, that's, that's when, I, uh, when we had been working through some other things up here in court, and they said they won't look at my case until I actually appear. So I told them, okay, give me, give me the time when I should appear in court and I'll be there. They didn't really want me under those conditions. So they never responded back on that. And then in, uh, in August, they went and they paid the local police off in Nicaragua and, uh, and they put some other charges on me so that they could actually hold me in Nicaragua. And so they held me uh, for 42 days and then they deported me, which was, I mean, all the, that, that whole thing was, was illegal to start with, how they did it. So, so then after that, I was, in, uh, I was transferred up to the U.S. And uh, I served most of my time in Youngstown, Ohio. <clears throat> and I was there until, well, it was March, March 23rd, was when I went to court, got sentenced, and was given time served at that time. I don't know where they are, <clears throat> and I'm glad I don't know, and I always tell people you don't want to know either. <laughs> What's that? That's how it's supposed to be, yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it has been. If if I would if I would not be uh, against suing and taking these things to court, then obviously we would have duped some of these things out in court. But that's not where we stand. And so, but it has given opportunities, some real opportunities to speak to some of these, some of these folks. Um, one of the times when I, was, when I was talking to the prosecutor, who was one of them, um, he just, I just made a statement in the course of the conversation. I just made a statement that, you know, I know he was involved. And I've never seen the man at a loss for words before. Uh, but that time he, 
He did ham haw around, and he never told me he, never, he didn't do it, but in good lawyer talk, he tried to tell me that he was not involved, but he never told me that he didn't do it. And later when he, when he walked out, my, my attorney looked over at me and said, did you just hear him admit that one? <laughs> so then, but then after that, com- after, after he would come in, looked over the paperwork, he asked me a question. He said, uh, he said do you have any more questions? And at that, mo- at that time, my mind went blank. I had no other questions. There was nothing else to ask him, except there was one question in my mind. And so I decided, well, if this is a question that comes to mind, I'm going to ask him. And so I just asked him, I said, when are you going to fix up your life with God? Wow. And he just looked at me, and he says, well, he says, you and I don't agree ideologically. And he said, if, if God is going to punish me, you know, here I am. I'm ready to take whatever punishment God would have for me. Obviously, he doesn't believe in God. And that's, that's when I couldn't, I couldn't handle it anymore. That's when I started crying. And I told him, that's exactly what I don't want for you. Because we love you. So if you ever, if you ever want to pray for someone, you can pray, you can pray for Paul, Paul Van de Graaff. And that was something that later struck me. I hadn't thought about it at the time. All of a sudden I realized this man's name is Paul. I just thought, you know, how long are you going to kick against the pricks? How long? And we don't know. Maybe the Lord has a work for him. And he doesn't realize as of yet. But one of these days he might have his Damascus Road experience. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I, can, if I can stand back and look at the picture, at the full picture. I don't know. Eternity might be what, what reveals what, what this whole thing is actually about. Um, I do know that in various times, various things that I've, uh, we've gone through as a family, it seems that a lot of times... Uh, yeah, supposedly it's about this thing. And yet when it comes down to it, um, it seems like the Lord had, had something else planned as far as for something for us to do. And I don't know. I don't know. And so many times we focus on one thing and, and we think that this is what, this is what our life is about. And yet God might be doing something totally over on, on the other side. And, and I have, I've had actually quite a few experiences where people, well, I don't know. And they've come to me and said, you know, back then, this certain thing, this is what spoke to me in my situation. And they were a long ways away. I didn't even know them. I wasn't even there. And so we don't know. None of us does. You know, you all are here in, in Napanee. Or Bremen, is it, maybe. Yet, is this, is this what you're doing? A lot of times, when we, as we are faithful in what we need to do here, other things open up. Anything else? 
I'm not sure how much time. Yes. Those are plans, but we don't know what what will happen. When Nicaragua extradited me, they uh, they put out an arrest warrant for me for two years, so that I cannot step into Nicaragua until the end of two years. I think they did that just simply because to protect themselves because of what they had done. So that obviously will totally, as far as my residency and stuff like that, I will have to start from square zero again. Where I've been, a, I've been, well, with, 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 my, with my residency card that I had at the time, by the time that was, would have been, uh, would have expired, I would have been 20 years that I would have been a resident in Nicaragua. And I could have actually opted for citizenship already. Now, I'm not sure. And it's been, it's been a little tough the last few years because now that Daniel Ortega is, is in again, they've slowly but surely been clamping down and just, as long as you're from Venezuela or Iran or somewhere like that, you're, you're very welcome. Some of the other countries, not so much. And so, uh, there's actually a family that was down with us that they finally came back. And one of the things was they finally, they, they were there for over a year and a half and they could never get their residency. So, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what it'll look like. Uh, my wife is st still has current residency. My children were all born down there. So that might give me an opportunity. If not, I don't know. The Lord has interesting ways of moving us sometimes. So. Is it still considered a communist country? <coughs> Nicaragua? Uh, no, we're socialist Christian. It's, uh, it, it's, been, it's been amazing for me to watch, watch the thing, the political situation go. If, if 10 years ago, when he came into power again, he would have right away clamped down and done what is there right now, the people would have again rebelled like they did back in the, in the 80s. So, so I'm not sure, I'm not sure where, where, where the thing is is going and what'll happen. Only God knows, but yeah, it's it's definitely a a work in progress there. Very well. Lord's blessings to all of you and may we all continue serving him and following him as he wants us. Lord blessings. <coughs>